Tonight on the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean, our official campaign to get Zack Snyder to direct Fantastic Four for Marvel kicks off. All that and more right after these brief messages. Change the game just now. I have a rave. These are the best ideas I've ever heard. I'm saying that that's that's the commentary that will exist. Oh, baby girl. In a Barbie world. It's been Oh my god! The guy at the movies podcast. But, but uh, you have to see how serious you look in the like waiting room when that's all going on. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm very in the zone. I'm very, you know, nervous about some things. That's why we get the podcast. Oh, excuse me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> There's getting, a bit. There's I'm a bit so- happening. <laughs> There's a bit happening. <laughs> That's why I looked so serious backstage, is because I was nervous that that bit wouldn't land. Um, for those that are merely listening, I was handed an envelope, much like the lovely Olivia Wilde. <laughs> is this how you tell me that you guys are getting divorced? Oh, oh God! Wait, yeah, I realize that implication is not great. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, take everything. <laughs> yeah, she gets all the rights to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sam. Uh, I am. Jo- <laughs> uh, anyway, welcome to the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe. He is Sean. This is episode ninety-six of this esteemed production. Sean, how the hell are you? Oh man, I am doing wonderful. Just you know, absolutely wonderful. I'm once again still probably asleep, but uh, the uh, the amount of TV I'm watching is stressing me out. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm I'm getting there. I have not slept well in the past few nights, and after getting back from a screening last night and writing the review and waiting for the social <laughs> uh, reaction that went live at at midnight, and then realizing that I was like scrolling TikTok for two hours, and then having to wake up to drive to work this morning at like six a.m. It's been fun. It's been a really great day. So if I pass out halfway through this pod, you know you're, why. You're going to work now? I thought you still uh, worked home. I do mostly, but I'm, I try to get in like once or twice a week. Makes sense. Um, yeah, so I we had a new employee start today, so I went over. But uh, enough about work <laughs> and that CRT that you're work. teaching in math class. Um, we have two trailers that we're going to discuss tonight. And let's start off with the weird one. Wait, I don't know which one that is. <laughs> Weird. The Al Yankovic story. Sean, your thoughts? This was a little bit disappointing for me. I mean, I, it, after after watching this trailer, I realized, oh, this is a really tough film to make. Because you're making a biopic on Weird Al Yankovic. So are you making it as a complete joke? Are you making it so that it can be dead serious? Because then that could just come off as a complete joke. And so that balance just seems so odd and you know i i don't don't get me wrong i smiled during this trailer because there was some cool stuff daniel radcliffe looks awesome um and sounds pretty good if that is him singing which i'm just gonna kind of go out on a limb and say that it probably is <laughs> but um it really it, like that part of it sounds great um this will be interesting um do you know how we watch this do we have to buy a roku you do uh roku has a free streaming channel I don't know where it streams besides Roku. I don't think you have to buy a Roku, but they have a free streaming channel and that's what it's going to be on. And I went into like a deep dive of that channel today. There's a ton of shit on there. 
like surprisingly because they've just been i mean they acquired quibi and all that so like they've just been like slowly like gathering shit on the side i I can't wait to awkwardly watch like three second shows then on quibi yeah well i think they combined them to make them a little longer but um, (laughs) yeah um what's odd to me about this trailer is that I feel like they just announced yesterday that this was happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This happened way. Well, when they announced it, he was already had like behind the scenes, um, like behind, there was behind the scenes photos, like right after Daniel Radcliffe was announced. Yeah. So it seemed like they for somehow kept this under wraps and like, I guess they had a trailer ready to go pretty quick. They kept it under wraps. Cause it's Roku. <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking, after I said it, I was like, oh yeah, that's literally why they kept it on refs, because like Roku can't really afford to make announcements. <laughs> Roku, though, like that streaming uh, device is actually really good. It's gotten oh, yeah. so much better over the years. Uh, is that, what do you use? Amazon, right? I use Amazon, but I literally used Roku this weekend at a uh, Airbnb I stayed at in Saratoga. Is that a requirement when you get an Airbnb? That I have like some sort of streaming service. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> we, we were busy the entire time, but there was like moments where I just like peeked in and grabbed a little bit of Netflix just to, you know, get, get my dopamine hit. <laughs> now, did you go to the back of Netflix? Like, or like, or I'm sorry, the back of your queue of apps or whatever you. No, 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 it's way worse than that, but I couldn't watch any of the stuff I like usually watch is because it wasn't my profiles. And so it, I, it wasn't in the proper spots. And so I couldn't just like watch certain episodes of something because like I, I had to watch them on my uh, services, on my streaming services. <laughs> I feel really bad for you. I hope that you survived the weekend intact. It seems like you're doing well. I've, I've you know, I've food tastes better. Like, you know, colors have <laughs> never been brighter. And then, then just today I sat on the couch again and just watched 18 shows. So did you work today? Uh, yeah, to that too. <laughs> We're a little off the rails already. Um, I, listen, I I'll watch this because I think mm-hmm. I want to see how Daniel Radcliffe is, and I um, Weird Al Yankovic is a such a strange character that's been around forever. That I, you know, I who doesn't love a good biopic? I'm just really curious about what this is gonna be. That's like my one like, it, and so I'm, that curiosity is gonna get the better of me. I'm gonna check this out because yeah. I don't know if it's gonna be a spoof. I don't know if it's gonna be a legit musical biopic, but I just really am kind of excited for it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. But the movie that uh, I'm suddenly really excited about is our other trailer that we're going to talk about, and that's Don't Worry, Darling. And this is the Olivia Wilde-directed film that is starring uh, Florence Pugh, uh, Harry Styles. I saw Nick Kroll in there. I didn't know he was a part of it. Very strange casting. I saw him in one second of the uh, trailer, and it's like, okay, he kind of fits in, but just knowing him, he's just much older than the rest of the people there. It's, I don't know. And he's probably going to say some really foul shit. (laughs) I think so. He's very clean shaven and clean cut in it. Like, but once again, it's like a split second where I saw him, but it's still like, yeah, you're older than everyone else, but. (laughs) Well, this is like Blast from the Past too, right? Like the. (laughs) I I think so. Stepford Wives, Blast from the Past. I have no idea what the, I think a little bit of Spectra (laughs) at one point. (laughs) Um, I will tell you though that I, and you texted me this and mm-hmm. I responded back that I had just tweeted that same thing. This quickly moved to the top of my list for most anticipated this year because it just looks wild and it's a psychological thriller and you sold me there. But Florence Pugh looks like she is just pewing it up there the entire yeah. time. There's some stunning scenes uh, and the mystery is enough to like really grab me and get me hooked. Olivia Wilde, I think, is I mean, I'm excited to see what she does with this, right? Because it's very different than Booksmart. Um, 
But man, I, like if she pulls this off, that's two really solid movies. Granted, I'm like already talking about how the movie's going to be received, but <laughs> it looks beautiful, it looks wonderful, and it looks really uh, tantalizing. Yeah, Booksmart like weirdly had this this moment where it started to like become divisive in like a, as the months went on, as the years went on, which still is confusing to me. I think that's a like very well done film, and uh, one of the best like moments of that are some of the visuals in Booksmart are spectacular. Um, and it seems like uh, now Wilde has been given like the chance to like really run free with this. This might be like a, almost like a blank check movie where she was given much more of a canvas to paint on. There's also a theory I have where a director gets better when they start directing themselves in the movie. So seeing her in the movie was something where I just said, okay, wait a minute, this could mean something. I mean, Affleck, I mean, I loved Gone Baby Gone, but once he started like putting himself in the movie, those, that's when those movies really started to go like a lot higher in tier. Um, I mean, yeah, looking at this, the mystery of it is fantastic. The beauty of it. There's several scenes where the cars are driving all at once and you don't know where it's going. There's a rebellious nature to it. There's like the obvious metaphors of housewives in a prison, but I think they're taken into a, like a like tremendously higher level. Um, where I, I mean, everything about this really does look just straight up beautiful. Just an amazing cast. Like uh, really, really looking. Oh, Chris Pine looks like he's in a role that Chris Pine was born to play like smarmy, like basically cult leader-ish kind of. Like it, it does seem like it's just, he's really good in that role. I can't disagree with you. Um, I have not been the biggest Chris Pine fan aside mm-hmm. for some of the more, like the bigger IPs essentially. Um, but I, I mean, I think what, what was that? Um, oh my God, what was the one that he was just in? All of the knives, all the old knives. I was like all of the knives everywhere always or something. <laughs> all at <laughs> once. <laughs> yeah, all at once. Um, that really kind of, flipped me a little bit on him because I really enjoyed what he did um, and like, kind of how he portrayed that character. So I am looking forward to this and look forward to uh, hopefully having another really uh, great Olivia Wilde entry into her filmography. Definitely. Let's dive into what we've been watching. And I'm going to just quickly touch on a movie uh, that I have been watching. It's a, an in- independent film and it is called Brute Force. It stars Tyler Posey, Patricia Velasquez, a bunch of others. Uh, and the uh, summary of it or the tagline is that a newly fired reporter hears that someone has been harassing vi- uh, vineyard workers in her hometown in California. Uh, and so she starts investigating and is drawn down a twisted tale of violence and crime. So this is really discussing a lot of the corruption that happens with the California vineyards, which when I spoke to the director, I was like, I was intrigued by this right away because I watched a Dateline or something on this years ago about how like crazy things get in California wine country. Um, because, you know, it's business, essentially. They're yeah. making millions of all business. Yeah. It's absolutely cutthroat. Um, so it, it's a really cool watch it's a good mystery uh but what i'm gonna do is at the end of this podcast if you're interested in listening uh, and hearing more about it uh i will tag on the interview i did with the director it's about a 10 minute interview so you'll get a little bit of a a summary of the film itself no real spoilers uh but it will probably intrigue you to want to check it out and it's now available everywhere which leads me into my next (laughs) (laughs) um i finally saw everything everywhere all at once and wow what a film um this was something that i was very intrigued with going in or intrigued by going in and then about 45 minutes in i was like what the hell is going on i was really confused couldn't quite figure out like how i felt about it and then at one point i think i told you this it just like clicked and I felt, and I was even talking to 
one of the other critics last night uh, when we were seeing Doctor Strange that it who had the same experience that it was like what is going on here why are they eating chapstick <laughs> you know what's with the bagel and all this shit um but and then like the hot dog fingers and there's so much shit in this that just shouldn't work the way it does uh and i know that you had talked about this on a previous pod uh but it was just a delightfully original film that really pulls off not only a multiversal action film uh, but a heartfelt multiversal action film that brought me to tears at one point because it's really layered with a lot of emotion. Uh, and Michelle Yeoh is just wonderful. I mean, how the hell has she not been like, like crowned the like King actor or something? Um, she is just absolutely incredible. And this movie is one that you go into it with an open mind and you'll leave feeling better for the experience. That's the very important thing is you have to surrender to this movie. Like it is like, it's a tricky one. If you're trying to really grab a hold of everything, and try to like really understand what's happening to it. And instead it's just better to really truly just, you know, surrender to it. Then you'll get the beautiful story out of it. You'll get a lot of stuff. Now, you know, if we analyze every single corner of this movie, we're going to find like gaps in any of like <laughs> a lot of the logic, sure. but it's, but that's kind of what the fun is about it is that, you know, Oh no, this is, this is silliness in moments. Like there's, a, there's a one multiverse where they're pinatas. And it's just, <laughs> It's There's another of, one where they're rocks. <laughs> rocks with googly eyes. And that's the most emotional moment of the entire thing. Oh, it, my God. It's funny because going into the movie, I like people had posted things about like uh, or, or like images and said like no context uh, for everything, everywhere and all at once. And it was like a bagel. It was hot dogs <laughs> on, ha on a hand. Um, it was rocks. It was googly eyes, like all that stuff. And it is just ridiculous but it's great and shout out to jamie lee curtis who looked like she was having an absolute blast in this movie and it was so much fun to see uh she, she's just the way she walks as that character made me lose it every time she decided to play a cartoon character because she knew this movie was a live action cartoon and <laughs> yeah. so she just said you know what i'm just going for like the most unrealistic human in the world and it just absolutely pays off this is one that uh, like i'm not usually this person because i'm not a big criterion collection person this is oh. going to the criterion collollection oh yeah one thousand percent definitely and i will buy it um, the last thing I want to touch on is, um, I don't know, I think we're allowed to talk about this, but the social, I posted the social reaction, so I'll just repeat what I said there. Uh, last night I saw the, I had a screening for the <laughs> teaser trailer of Avatar The Way of Water. Um, you don't get much of the story in it. It's about a minute and a half teaser. It is absolutely gorgeous. It is in 3D. The 3D has never looked better. It looks flawless. And some of the imagery uh, that is included in this film, mainly because of the water and some of the shots that are underwater, utilizing the water, they're breathtaking. Um, I just, I absolutely loved it. Uh, it gets me excited to explore what they're going to do with this story. It already looks like they're opening the world up a little bit more. Um, and I won't get into any, there's another like plot point that is pretty evident from the trailer but i won't get into it until people see it with uh the dr strange film this weekend but it is uh it, it gets me excited and it just reminds me of how marvelous the first film was in terms of looks and the what he, what cameron was able to pull off uh so i'm excited to see how he kind of capitalizes on that and i love anything that has to do with water uh, and especially when like, you're able to digitally create a water landscape the way that it seems like he's been able to do here. Oh, there's a scene. 
I'm going to get like blacklisted here. There's a scene where there's like a whale under the water and the whale's I've like this. looking up and there's an avatar holding on to or Nabi holding on to the uh, the fin. And it's just the sun's beaming behind them. And it is an absolutely gorgeous shot. They played the trailer like three times so that we could see it each time. Like whatever. That's awesome, actually. That's very cool. Yeah. And I each time I was like, freeze. <laughs> like, I, just, I loved it. It was <laughs> So wonderful. Um, so I can't wait. That's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I mean, I was one, like, I forget if I, like, said it on here, but, you know, I didn't I, I didn't love Avatar, but I admired its visuals. Yeah. Like, you can't not admire its visuals. That's crazy. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, all right, I'm already sold again for this, though. Like, yeah. with all of the filming underwater, you're bringing in Idris, you're bringing in Kate Winslet. I mean, come on. Like... <laughs> Like I'm just I'm 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 in like I'm so and I still love Cameron. I mean yeah. I'd, I'd love him to do like a couple of movies in between these, like you know Rocket Terminator again, my man. They're having trouble, but like I would just love Terminator needs like, a long break. <laughs> in, if if I will if Cameron came back and the Terminator movie was bad, I'd be beyond despondent. <laughs> like, wasn't he just, attached to one recently? He wasn't the director, but he was I mean, a producer or something. I wonder if like how much of a producer he is, or if it's like make him a producer so we can just use the Terminator name, like kind of deal. But maybe he was really involved. I don't know. I don't know. I'll check that out uh, because I'm really interested by it now. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the last thing I'll say about it is um, something that slipped my mind, so I should have said it a few minutes ago. But uh, yeah. Uh, so, oh, if you've done the uh, or ridden the ride at Disney World and Avatar uh, in Pandora in Animal Kingdom, um, a lot of not a lot, but there's portions of that ride that uh, are taken from the second movie essentially like the the landscape of the second movie uh and that was something that they had teased that like this was part of his vision for what the second movie would focus on with the water and i remember seeing that in the ride and number one it's a fantastic ride um but number two like just seeing that i was blown away and it's it, it delivers in this trailer so um it should be cool uh to see once it comes out this december you know what i was laughing at that before now I think it might actually come out this December with a trailer coming out and everything. Yeah. I, th I think they're actually on target. So good for them. Also, uh, just so you know, Terminator Dark Fate, the story was by James Cameron. Wait a minute, but still, like that could story be... by James Cameron. Uh, well, he's never good at stories. I mean, like, he's good at like <laughs> like the visuals and everything, which there wouldn't be any melting Terminators then or something. My buddy said last night, uh <laughs> About the, we were talking about the trailer and he he watched Doctor Strange with me um, but didn't see the Avatar trailer and I was telling him a little bit about it. He goes, I just hope that like all the metaphors aren't so on the nose. Like the one the one thing was literally called unobtainium. <laughs> and I said, well, the good news is we solved climate change so we don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> all right. So this tree is going to be their home. What do we call it? <laughs> home tree. Home all tree. right. Good. We'll just put that in as a like, you know, <laughs> working title. We'll get back to it. I kind of appreciated it. So <laughs> whatever. Sean, uh, you have a bunch that I haven't even seen, nor the first one I haven't heard of. So hit me. Oh, you haven't heard of slow you haven't heard of slow horses. Oh, is that slow like the latest uh did that come out after Liam Neeson's memory? Is that his most recent seen, one? Well, it is uh it is an old uh well uh he's British, Gary Oldman, but um it is uh a Apple TV series starring Gary Oldman, um, which I believe it's also in association with BBC. And if not, it feels like it is. 
um, uh, because it is uh, called Slow Horses. It is basically about um, a group of failed FBI agents that all have to take place or all are in this one place. I believe it's called Slow House. Um, and, uh, you know, that for then they call themselves Slow Horses and stuff, um, where it's a bunch of reject FBI agents. I like, can't get it together. And Gary Oldman leads them. Um, if you looked at a, like like typical Gary Oldman, if you look at a picture of him, you won't recognize him in this. He's just like absolutely as ugly as you could possibly imagine. Long hair. He, he's disgusting. He's grotesque. Um, and he also is a terrible leader of these people because he doesn't care anymore. He does not care. He's completely lackadaisical. Um, and he's just really mean to all of these people. Uh, basically, they try on their own to try to like, you know, figure out their own um, uh, case. Uh, there's a kidnapping case and they want to figure it out themselves. Um, this show could have gone terrible by like being like just like complete comedy, bumbling idiots sort of thing. It's not that it's not. Granted, there's some humor in it, but it's not just like all of them being idiots. All of these characters that are involved are like true blue characters. They're like, you know, they have the depth, they have emotion, they they really want to do better. And they've like screwed up in one way or another or like got someone mad in the wrong way. And um, Gary Oldman still just like, you know, verbally abuses them to the point where like, you know, he's like, don't do anything. All your job is to just sit at a desk and literally do nothing. I'm going to do the same thing over here. And Gary Oldman's unbelievable in this. He's absolutely charming. This this show is great, but it doesn't work without him. Um, the There's the boss above them, like the MI5 boss, I believe, or MI6 boss. I'm not sure which. But uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, who, like, of course, she's the boss. Like, absolutely, she's amazing in every way. But this is just six episodes, so, you know, that's how you know it's British. <laughs> but it's, like, it's tight. It moves quick. It's, it is funny. It is enjoyable. It's, like, the John le Carré spy, spy novels, like, come to life. It's really like something great and they already literally filmed season two so they oh really they, at the end of the last episode they literally had like you know scenes for season two not just like season two's announced they literally started showing the scenes for season two which is beyond ridiculous to me but i i really loved this one it was great this is really interesting to me because i like gary oldman a lot so i'm very fascinated by the premise and want to see him in this series if you're if you're a fan of Gary Oldman, you you should watch this show. Um, he uh, he farts a lot because he's just a disgusting dude that like doesn't care. <laughs> he just he burps and farts all the time. He just doesn't care about anything. Um, so I'm gonna jump into uh, the next one, which is also Apple TV. Apparently, I'm being sponsored by Apple TV Plus right now, and uh, that is uh, Pachinko, which is the story um, that uh, starts in the 1900s and ends in the 1980s, and is like several different timelines of this one family um, throughout. Um, uh, let's see. Japan occupied Korea. Then just simply they go to Japan. Then they're, you know, in the U.S. for a little while. Um, but this is like absolutely a wondrous, wondrous, wondrous series. It's just like truly unbelievable. They literally have in the subtitles, they have um, they have them in blue and in yellow for when they speak in Japanese and they speak in Korean. So we can understand it like with a certain moments. It's like there's a really tough um, like political clash that these characters go through, but you really feel for these characters and their agency. It's just truly wonderful. Um, Academy Award winner Yoon Young Jun is in there, so she plays the older like the older character of the main character um, in the '80s. Obviously, she's wonderful. Minha Kim is wonderful as like the central character throughout the whole thing. But it's about this young woman trying to get through going from Korea to Japan, and you know 
like dealing with her family as they get older in Japan and everything like that. Now, this like jumped around in timelines like crazy, which could easily annoy people if it wasn't for like a common theme and a common character correction through uh, connection throughout every single episode. I was blown away by this. Oh my god, it was great. I, for some reason, thought this was about something completely different. <laughs> And I have no idea why. Um, so I have nothing to contribute. <laughs> what did you think it was? <laughs> We're not getting into it. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, the last one, I'll just quickly, t- I watched the last few episodes of Ozark. Um, they closed the series up. Um, I obviously won't say anything to spoil, just to say that they do wrap up the story nicely. Um, I think sometimes they rush it just a little bit. But a few of the characters, like the characters hate each other. Next episode, they love each other. Next episode, they hate each other. A little bit too fast. Like, there's a few <laughs> things that go on a little. It's like, you know, not that I want like eight more seasons. Oh, I kind of want eight more seasons of the show. But it, that was the part that like kind of like got to me a little bit. So it, it, I'm a few tick marks down for that. But still, you know, for sometimes how bad series finales go, this one did a very good job of wrapping everything up. Uh, on Elvis Duran in the morning this morning, they were joking around about uh, Ozark because one of the guys, Garrett, apparently came in and was like, hey, if you watched Ozark, here's what happened and unloaded it. And Elvis was pissed. <laughs> so they had this whole discussion about like spoiling shit and how like if you listen to the show, Danielle, uh, who's always like bubbly, she's been on the show forever. She's funny as hell. And they were like, you do the same thing. She's like, but I don't mean it. <laughs> and it's just like indicative of spoiler culture these days. So. It's great because I, I think I like get like clips of him sometimes before I turn on like my podcast in the car, and uh, he, he is just like, I just need more hours in the day to watch to watch Ozark. And it's just like, it's like I feel you, bro. Yep, 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 yep. Let's dive into what we've been watching right after I tell you about what you can access through our Patreon. Uh, for our thoughts on unbearable weight of massive talent, as well as the bad guys, subscribe to the Patreon pod for two dollars a month for a limited time uh, and get the exclusive spoiler pod episodes. A lot more coming up there as well. Some exciting stuff. Actually debating doing a Doctor Strange uh, and the Multiverse of Madness uh, deep dive, like spoiler deep dive. Oh, I think that might be fun. If people can access it if they want. Um, but we'll we'll see. I, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, but we should also mention that we're going to do a spoiler pod for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So we won't be talking about it tonight, but we'll have a separate episode where we dive all the way down into the multiverse. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man, what a what that a was week. a that was a hell of a laugh, bud. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> like, what do you mean? What a week? What a week? Uh, Lemon, it's Tuesday or whatever. <laughs> Um, all right, let's dive into what we uh, are considering the top stories of the week, and we're going to start off with a little director shuffling. Uh, so Justin Lin has taken over, or I'm sorry, has left Fast 10, Fast X, uh, and it looks like uh, Louis Leterrier, Letter, Leterrier uh, is taking his place. Uh, he is... Um, he did the first two transporter films. He did now you see me in the summer of 2013. Uh, but a little bit more news has come out since the initial announcement that Justin Lin was leaving. And it basically seems like uh, the, the script kept getting rewritten and he wasn't really having final say and wasn't having control over what he's been working on. And it was just getting so stressful and crazy. And Vin Diesel seems to have a lot of power <laughs> over those films. Um, and if you think back a few weeks ago, I can't remember what character it is because uh, I have not seen any of these movies. Um, can't remember what character it was, but he mentioned that like 
a certain character wasn't included in the original draft of this script and now they're now they're in because it just makes sense and that time that lines up time-wise with this whole departure of justin lynn and the uh, arguments that apparently had occurred that led to him stepping away. So it's kind of wild because Justin Lin has been an architect of these movies, um, of the entire franchise. So the fact that like Universal is just kind of letting him go uh, is really wild to me. But um, the this pick of Lois Leterrier, letter I'm butchering his name, whatever. Uh, but he seems to be a safe bet, safe choice. You know, I think they already started production. Uh, so essentially he's just coming in to see it across the finish line and we've never seen that go wrong before, like, uh, in justice league or anything, but justice league, or, you know, like several star Wars movies where, you know, <laughs> Tony Gilroy or, uh, right. uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, Lord and Miller on the hot solo movies. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, so solo deserves justice. <laughs> solo is a good movie. It's all right. I, I don't mind it. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Um, I won't lie, this, this this really bummed me out. I mean, I'm not even, like, a huge Fast and Furious fan. Um, I'm, like, trying to, like, acknowledge it as this franchise that has, like, kind of beaten the odds in so many ways, like, in so many different, like, fashions and has grown in this insane way that, like, I don't think they're good movies, but I, I respect this franchise. But Justin Lin is, like, the bright spot in a franchise that is, like, kind of insane. Like, he made Fast Five. Fast Five is the best of the franchise. Like, it, it really is something where, like, you have him in the cockpit. It's going to go well. And this seems like a situation where, you know, the actors weren't happy with the director. And it, it, it's one of those things where I think Vin Diesel has started to become – you have not seen these movies, but in F9, Vin Diesel is just a straight-up superhero. Like, he's just, like, you know, yanking cement walls apart and everything like that. And he's not going to lose fights anymore. He's not going to lose anything in these because he's running the show. And it's like, all right, so you're not going to have your hero be humble at all. You're going to have your hero be like unflappable, infallible. Like it doesn't like work that way. And I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, with all due respect with Louis Lettier, um, I think he'll be fine. Like, I think this is going to be fine, but Lynn likes to take the risks. Lynn likes to take a lot of style. This guy's, like you said, is going to be a safe bet. And, I mean, if there's one thing you could say about the Fast and the Furious movies is they're not supposed to be safe. They're supposed to be unhinged in every way. They're supposed to be downright dangerous. And Lynn can come up with those inventive ideas and those fun action. But uh, sorry, Louie, I think you're, you're going to get a bland action movie with this. Maybe it'll be something too crazy. But, I, you know, yeah, sure. He had two monsters fight each other in The Incredible Hulk. So he's handled the nuttiness. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too sold on this i have to disagree because i think that the movie's pretty much set with the exception of a couple mm -hmm. like alterations so i think that like we're gonna get the craziness it's already there I hope so. um and they're just bringing him in to usher it across the finish line so um, i'm a little confused when you said cockpit because uh this is about cars i believe right not planes. um every day when i commute to work i get in the cockpit and drive on to i-95 and i don't want to hear anything else from that how does that go uh, not great not great <laughs> Um, the other uh, director news that we have to chat about is that John Watts is stepping away from uh, the Fantastic Four film that he was announced as uh, the director of. And this is kind of, I mean, this one makes sense to me. He essentially was like, listen, I'm tired. <laughs> like, I, I did three Spider-Man films, um, essentially back-to-back, -back, if you really think about it. Well, yeah, it, it was back-to-back. -back. He didn't do any other movies in between. Um, 
and he just wants a break from the superhero genre and they left the door open for him to return or, or there's a really nice statement from Kevin Feige. Um, so this opens the door for Zack Snyder to step in. I am starting the campaign. I think it would be wonderful. I'm waiting for the day that Marvel brings him into a film because it's going to be like the internet's going to explode. Elon Musk is going to lose Twitter. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Elon Musk will buy Marvel and put Zack Snyder in uh, for a, um, I, I mean, this announcement only feels weird because it's like, why now is he stepping back? I mean, it just seems like he was, he was announced a fair amount of time ago. And, you know, I guess you have the right to change your mind at any time. So, you know, I'll, I'll buy that. But that was the one thing that got to me. It's just like, I mean, if you're sick of the comic book game, like, you know, why didn't you, why did you even like say yes to begin with? And I don't know if I'm just digging for a conspiracy here or it's just the dude was tired and he doesn't really want to do a comic book movie. And I'll, I'll, I'll go by that. I'll, I'll settle that. Um, as far as the lovely Zack Snyder. Well, real, real quick on that. Okay, they, yeah. they announced it way before Spider-Man No Way Home came out. So oh, like the oh. post-production and all that stuff, like I can't imagine. What? It probably was like hell. Was it really that long ago? Oh, yeah. It was at the end of their Disney Investor Day. Um, when I don't even remember when that was. Fantastic for announced. Let's see what the Google says. Um, it was announced December 10th, 2020. Oh, wait. No way home. Not far from home. Damn it. That's, I knew I was going to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was announced way back when. And like there still was the production and the creation of No Way Home to go and all that. So I don't think I really don't think there's a conspiracy here. No, I, I've been Meanwhile, when Justin Lin left, I was like, give me the goods. What's the juicy news? <laughs> like, I know something's going on. Well, we know it's just literally because of Vin Diesel. That, yeah. <laughs> that dude just what did he do now? <laughs> like, just everybody is gone because of him. I cut you off about Zack Snyder. So I, I, I like Zack Snyder when he's doing his fun original shit now. Like, I like him when he's doing his... I mean, I don't think Army of the Dead was that good. But, you know, then we got, like, Army of Thieves, which was a blast. And, that was a lot of fun. You know, although that wasn't directed by him. But regardless, he was, like, he, he was involved in it. Um, but uh, I, like, kind of want to see Zack Snyder just, like, you know... I think I think the, the comic book movies have been very unkind to him. And I would rather him, like, go free, sir. Make, make Moon Rebel Base and make... Uh, what, Rebel Moon? Rebel Moon. Sailor, Sailor Moon. He's making the new Sailor Moon. Um, and I, I I want those for him. I want him because he has such an interesting, fascinating, creative palette. And I want him to do that now. Would I be on for the chaos of him? Like, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want it to be the best Marvel movie. And I want it to be like that would be an absolutely lovely hoot. But, uh, you know, for him... I think he's just happy with his, like, he's making an entire space in Netflix. Like, just, that like, would be an absolutely lovely hoot. <laughs> That's what you just said. <laughs> I am sometimes 80 years old. Come you on. spent the weekend with your in laws, didn't you? I did. I absolutely did. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a lovely hoot. Um, carry on cheerio uh all right so uh, we can't talk about zach snyder without transitioning over to talking about priscilla presley uh, naturally <laughs> naturally um no this is actually a really cool story so we got the first trailer for the elvis biopic uh that has austin butler uh and um How howard stern i almost said <laughs> oh my god what is wrong with me um, anyway, Austin Butler is playing um, the uh, king of rock and roll, uh, Elvis himself. And we also have uh, the wonderful um, Baz Luhrmann behind the film. 
Um, and then we also have Tom Hanks as Colonel Parker in this film. So um, basically, I'll read a little bit of what she said. She said that they had a screening of the film. Warner Brothers invited them to her and the family to a screening of the film. Um, and that the story is about Elvis and Colonel Parker's relationship. It's a true story told brilliantly and creatively that only Boz in his unique artistic way could have delivered. Austin Butler, who played Elvis, is outstanding. Halfway through the film, Jerry and I looked at each other and said, wow, bravo to him. He knew he had big shoes to fill. He was extremely nervous playing this part. I can only imagine. Tom Hanks was Colonel Parker in this film. What a character he was. That um, Tom Hanks was Colonel Parker in that, this film. I think that's how it should have read. Uh, yeah, Tom Hanks was Colonel Parker in this film. Um, <laughs> Tom Hanks starred in this movie. <laughs> th there were two sides to Colonel, uh, to Colonel. Jerry and I witnessed both. The story, as we all know, does not have a happy ending, but I think you will will understand a little bit more of Elvis's journey penned by a director who put his heart and soul and many hours into this film. I actually just got chills reading that because it does excite me. I really am pumped for this now. Um, at first, the, I think what everyone was taken aback by was the voice that um, Tom Hanks was doing, but it seems like they're they're pretty accurate with the story and on. I think that's all we can ask for. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, you know, he plays he like he's a character, and like you know, Colonel Parker was apparently uh, quite the character anyway, quite the devious character that had like a strange accent that you really legitimately cannot place. And, yeah. <laughs> like, but I think um, what I love about that is uh, very similar to uh, when they did the People versus OJ, and John Travolta played um, oh I can't remember his name uh, the the. Uh, attorney yeah the attorney i can't remember his name that's terrible um i mean it's not that big of a deal but uh plays that attorney and um marsha clark said like the actual marsha clark said like everyone was making fun of travolta's performance as being too crazy and too nutty and marsha clark's like no no, no he toned it down <laughs> like, robert, was, robert shapiro there we go thank god uh robert shapiro's like no he toned it down robert shapiro like is that kind of character like um but I think with this movie, like, I love that the blessing is given. I think yeah. on a rant a while back, I went on a rant about, like, um, subjects being involved in the making of the movie. I still stand by that rant. I love this, though. I love permission. I love them looking at it first. I love, like, them getting that blessing or getting an advanced screening. I think that is a wonderful thing to do. And, I mean, hey, this, like, you know, it worked out nicely for them. Like, this is something where people are even more excited. I mean, I was excited from the trailer. I know some people aren't because they're thinking uh, musical biopic, blah, blah, blah. But if the musical biopic is good, even if it does run through those notes, if it's good and cool and fascinating, like this one looks like, I'm in. I really am. Yeah, yeah I'm totally there with you. I think when we had talked about that before, I had said that my... Uh, my the when when I'm okay with family and the subjects being involved is when it's part of overall research mm -hmm. by a director or a filmmaker who's going to consider all sides and tell the story. Uh, and it sounds like that's what's happening here. I mean, like they even acknowledge it's not a great story. Ultimately, you know, <laughs> it doesn't end well. Um, but uh, hey, let's let's see what happens when that comes out this summer because I think it's going to be. Um, it's Boz Lerman. He's pretty solid. Like, I mean, I know Australia is a little bit. I, you know what? He's actually struck out for me a little bit. Like, because Great Gatsby, I didn't love. Um, like Australia was a little bit strange. But I mean, you go back to that Moulin Rouge, and I'm, I'm in. I mean, so I don't like. But he always goes big. He always goes gigantic, and I kind of admire that. And I think that's going to be great for this kind of story. You need to just go nuts for Elvis. RuPaul's Drag Race this past season did a uh, musical. They always do a musical episode. They call it a rusical, and this was um, it was Mulan Ru, <laughs> and, and it actually was phenomenal. <laughs> like it was. They're usually like, oh my god, you want to like stab yourself in the ear. 
Uh, but this is really good. And now I just keep hearing Moulin Rouge. <laughs> um, we're off, you know, we're, we're, we're going doing crazy great. again today. But hey, a uh, little bit of breaking news. Nothing crazy, but apparently uh, Tobey Maguire almost died on Spider-Man. Quote, there was rain pouring down my nose, and then Kirsten pulls the mask up, and it's blocking my nose, so I couldn't breathe. And then she's kissing me, blocking the air passage there, so there's nowhere else to breathe. <laughs> that that notice took me through a lot just now, because first you started with Tobey Maguire almost died, and I was like, right now? And then Tobey Maguire almost died on Spider-Man. I'm like, oh wow, Spider-Man No Way Home must have been a really plagued uh, situation, something like that. Oh no, the original Spider-Man, because it's the anniversary, that's why we're talking about it. Um, oh, and additional Spider-Man news is that uh, I think it was on James Corden's show that Andrew Garfield shared that when Tom Holland was talking about butt pads, he was not talking about Andrew Garfield. So <laughs> process of elimination, that was Tobey Maguire. <laughs> I can see him having a flat butt, yeah. Absolutely insane, absolutely insane. Let's move on to our next story here, and we want to talk a little bit about A Quiet Place and the spinoff that is coming um, we got a little bit of news during CinemaCon last week. So My- Michael Sarnoski, who directed the acclaimed Pig, um, that Sean and I watched really hungover one day, um, <laughs> is going to direct the spinoff of A Quiet Place. And this, of course, is that like little series that could. Like A Quiet Place was incredible. A Quiet Place 2, I loved. I thought it was a fantastic follow-up. Uh, and this is all from the mind of John Krasinski. And day one is going to further expand uh, on the concept that was introduced um and uh it says shift the perspective beyond the abbott family that the main series follows sean i know this was your biggest take on uh what this what you wanted to see out of a spinoff yeah i mean like if they're yeah if they're gonna do a spinoff the point of it is to not include like that uh the krasinski family or the abbott family if you will um (laughs) krasinski family (laughs) i I mean like because one of the things about it that was uh like a little bit uh annoying with the reaction for this is everyone freaked out and they said you know like you know we already saw day one we already saw day one and i'm like there's other towns there's other places that these monsters like landed. I'm assuming they landed in other spots or if they didn't, they're mowing them down in other spots as well. So, you know, it's one of those situations where you could have them land, land in a big city. You could have them land in like every like part of the world. You know, you could not even have main characters in this and have it be like several different aspects of it. I don't recommend that a main character is obviously what you want, but you like, there's, there's a lot of ways. Day one could be a film series of like 36 films. Cause they could like, there's a million things. I also don't advise that, but I like I'm very excited for like the fact that it's the beginning part because, you know, I loved all of A Quiet Place, too. But the best part was that beginning day one. Like, was it was just really well done, well constructed in every way. And so I want to see more of like a civilization that gets attacked by them because now it's like, oh, yeah, only there's only three people and like a couple of monsters running around and everyone's walking on sand. It's not as fun. (laughs) It's cool in the beginning. It's the cool concept to start with. But now it's like, let's get let, let's get some of the cool, really cool, like, you know, civilization getting disrupted. Well, we should also mention that there is a third Quiet Place film that will follow the Abbott family mm-hmm. in development as well. Uh, but this one has been uh, slated for, for, for release on September 22nd, 2023. Um, so that's that's exciting. I'm, I'm Hey, listen, I'm if they can do something different and explore a new side of the story, I am all for it. I still um, want them to do the third one. That's the bit. Like, I, I want the third one with the Abbott family because that story is not done yet either. So I want them to keep going there. 
Well, and especially after they really focused on the kids who stole the show in that last that mm-hmm. last episode, I almost said last movie. Um, I'm excited to see where they take it next. Um, what I'm not excited for is this fucking comment we just got about uh, <laughs> Emperor Palpatine apparently appearing again in an upcoming Disney Plus series. Now, the only saving grace is that the quote here is whether or not you will see my physical body, I cannot comment on, but you will certainly feel my presence. Um, and like, <laughs> let's, uh, so I'm assuming he's going to be involved in the Obi-Wan series somehow, uh, and probably pop up like there, but I, I can't, I don't want to deal with this shit. And this is my problem with star Wars. Star Wars just continues to recycle the same stories over and over again. Now I will be the first one to admit, I can't wait for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, this is <laughs> I'm very excited for that, but they keep trying to, I mean, they tie everything back to the same original story. And I mean, like, look, we were just talking about an original story in A Quiet Place, right? And they're starting to spin off and explore how other people were affected. Let's explore that. Let's look how other people were affected by the events that we know so well over the course of nine movies and books and spinoff series and spinoff movies and all that shit. Um, I think it's time for them to branch out. I don't want to see Palpatine again. The last time we saw the guy, he ruined the fucking movie. (laughs) I don't want to see them. I don't want to see him. Go away. I'd be lying if I said I didn't love Ian McDiarmid, if you will. Um, I, I I think he does a great job as Palpatine. I think like you know, Revenge of the Sith is obviously still an extraordinarily flawed movie, but I think that like he like kind of like delivers some cool like fun Star Wars camp in that one. Um, he, yeah, then him showing up in the ninth one was a goddamn nightmare. <laughs> like I just never want that to occur again. And it, yeah, it is one of those things where he's coming back. He's definitely, it looks like he's, you know, going to be in some form. He's going to be there in Obi-Wan, which unfortunately does make a little bit of sense only because like they're going to be dealing with the rise of the, um, the Senate and, uh, or the new Senate, if you will. And that's going to be where they're starting Obi-Wan. And so, you know, he is going to be, he's like the head honcho. He's the figurehead in that whole situation. So, um, I don't, maybe you just ignore him. That would be kind of cool like, to, to just like have like the Obi-Wan, but I, I can see why he's there. He's not coming out of there out of nowhere. Unlike with the ninth one where he came out of there literally out of nowhere, which didn't make any damn sense. But in this one, like it, he's at least like he he's overarching in where this Obi-Wan story is. Yeah. I Listen, we first saw him 42 years ago. Okay. He <laughs> died a while ago, a long time ago. We got a clone of him in that movie. We got like a minion of his in Snoke, which was also never really well nope. explained. <laughs> um, I, I'm tired. <laughs> like the, the good news is they when they kill off other characters, for the most part in Star Wars, like you know Han Solo or um, yeah, you know they're, they're dead. Luke Skywalker, they're dead. But like. Uh, Palpatine stop it (laughs) I'm not saying hey I'm like I get it to be sick of him and I get it like the fact that he came back after he dies in the sixth one that doesn't make any damn sense it's the worst but this is technically like a prequel kind of situation so I I'm I'm not saying things are right or things are wrong or you know I'm just saying like he's not like he's not getting pulled out of the writer's butt here like there is nothing new to explore with him I if he just pops up and is like, "Yo, what up?" Then I'm fine with it. Yeah, but if oh. it's like, if we get this, whole, if he ends up being the fucking villain of this series somehow, like a, a side villain or whatever, I will 
shit on my Apple TV remote. He is. I, I mean, I don't know what he's going to be, but my conjecture is like he's like you know, he, he's. I mean, he's basically the president. That's what he is. He's the president of the, like you know what's going on here. He's the leader of the Senate. So you know what? He's the leader of the Senate. Obi Wan is an enemy of the Senate. So there, there's going to be like you know there's going to be some bristles. Now they're not going to fight. I don't think Jesus, I don't think, but like, just like it's one of those things where, you know, he'll be mentioned. He may like be like, there may be a scene where he makes a speech and he's like, you know, Hey, go kill that Obi guy. He was a, uh, you know, no good and stuff like that. But I, I, and I, I don't know. I'm just like spitballing. Um, and I'm also, you know, sick of the same like threads of stories and everything like you. So I'm definitely agreeing with you there. I'm just saying that, you know, it's not outlandish to have him here. It's could be annoying. It could be repetitive, but it's not like out there, out, like completely out there. I am tired. I am so tired. Of I'm with him. you, buddy. I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I'm so tired of Palpatine. <laughs> and I'm so tired of Star Wars not having any direction outside of Disney Plus. Oh god, no. Well, there's no movies anymore, which is just pretty disappointing. <laughs> yeah, what's her name? Patty Jenkins left the Rogue Squadron film and they just have not talked about it since. <laughs> I, I can't understand how they just like completely punted like all the movies. <laughs> like they're just like, nope, no more movies at all. Ever. It's insane. It's insane. Um, all right, let's talk about one of the saddest stories we have to bring mm. up today. Um, and uh, it's it really pains me because uh, uh, about 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 episodes back, any of those increments, um, I gave a fantastic rendition of Barbie Girl that you can hear in our opening crawl. Um, or opening credits, and we got the sad news that the new Barbie movie uh, that is coming, but will star Margot Robbie and apparently 17 other people, um, is not going to feature the iconic aqua song, Barbie Girl. Uh, this is very sad. Um, it was confirmed to Variety. Uh, Greta Gerwig has yet to comment. Um, I think it's rude that she hasn't commented on such a monumental story. Um, you know, aside from the fact uh, there's like three major things happening in this world right now that we really need to talk about four, maybe four, we need to talk about Ukraine. We need to talk about the attack on Roe v. Wade. We need to talk about the upcoming attack on a Burgerfell v. Hodges. If you don't know what they are, just Google them. Uh, and then we also need to talk about Barbie girl, not being included in the Barbie movie because it's absolutely horrible. Uh, I'm making a joke. Of course, um, there's, other things are way more serious and uh, <laughs> might start another podcast to rage about them. But um, this is kind of fascinating, though, because the story dives into some of the legal battles that were going on around this uh, entire song back in the day when Mattel, the company that owns Barbie, was concerned about how the song would reflect on Barbie, on the morals of the Barbie brand. Um, so it's whatever. Uh, it's happening. Um the movie's happening. The song is not. Uh, so, unfortunately, Ryan Gosling, uh, Kate McKinnon, America Ferrara, uh, Simon. Uh, why do I feel like that's written wrong? Simon Rex? Simon Liu? It's Simeon Liu, isn't it? Yeah. S-I-M-U-N-L-I-U. Simu Liu. They have Simon Liu in here. That must be an autocorrect. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was, that's like what threw me off. Um, Harry Neff, Will Ferrell, and Alexander Ship round out the cast. Um, Sean, major loss? I think uh, you were a little bit more passionate on this one than I was. You were used, like, I got 10 texts from Joe. I was like, ah. <laughs> 
what, what, what did I do? And then it's just like there was a very like paragraphs long rants about uh, the Aqua song. I mean, I what, like th there's no way I can even determine what this movie is. And so I, I truly can't even fathom what this movie is. And therefore, it's going to be difficult for me to determine if, or difficult for me to determine if this song belongs in there or not, just because like this whole thing is insanity. The only thing I can think of is that, you know, technically the Aqua song um, is like, like you said, does not exactly fit with the Barbie Mattel situation. They could have they could have worked together to get some advertising going and we would have been in a better spot. And, you know, maybe this song could be used. But at this point, I, I just truly don't know what this movie is. And it, it, it's freaking me out. I'm so excited to see it at the same time. I just can't I can't fathom that this is happening. And so the fact that the Aqua song is in it. I mean, hey, or isn't in it? Sorry. Like, all right. I'm gonna poop myself. The if you Google the Barbie film, and you know how, like, on the side of Google, it will come up with a synopsis and stuff. This the synopsis is the adventures of Barbie and Ken, but the cast: <laughs> Emma McKay, Cersei Ronan, Ice Cube, Ariana Greenblatt, Willem Dafoe, Ray Liotta. <laughs> How? How did that get up there? <laughs> Can you imagine Willem Dafoe? That's when they should use the Aqua song. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, and and my favorite's funny. like Ariana Greenblatt thrown in there. <laughs> also, let's just face it, Rhea Perlman's in this. Um, oh, yeah. Issa Rae, what is going on? Listen, it's rivaling Oppenheimer for <laughs> number of this cast members. This is such a cast, man. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't oh know. my god. Anyway, um, last story of the night tonight is that Anna Kendrick uh, is attached to a true crime thriller about the dating game killer. And let's talk a little bit about what that means. But first, we should recognize that we talked a lot about true crime last week when the basic <laughs> cinephile was on. This is a film that was previously set up at Netflix. Uh, but it is now, I think, going to be on the market at, at uh, Cannes. Yeah. Kong. That's it. Um, Hasn't the lineup already been uh, announced? Or wait, hasn't Cannes already happened? The, the, this is for sale. Like, this is, like, being sold, like, the idea around it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not um, – the actual movie isn't being made. Uh, I mean, the actual movie isn't made. But this is a Blacklist script um, by Ian McAllister McDonald, and it's based on um, an episode where uh, Cheryl Bradshaw – was a bachelorette on the 70s show, The Dating Game. And she chose this guy who was like really funny and handsome, uh, bachelor number one, uh, Rodney Al Alcala. Um, and he ended up being a serial killer in the middle, in the midst of a murder spree. So that's a wild freaking story. Um, and probably like, I think probably went on to inform a lot of how they cast these shows. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope. Um, not to laugh about it, it's a terrible idea. I mean, terrible story. Uh, but he had he murdered um, five women and attempted to murder a twelve year old girl, and then made it onto the show because background checks were more lax. There you go. I mean, let's talk about the background checks being more lax, and maybe this is going to be addressed. But this guy is not exactly into like covert. I mean, granted, I know he's not probably a sound mind, but you know, he's not exactly into covert actions at all, right? Because it's just like you know, hey, I know how to, how to not get caught. I'll just go onto an extremely popular TV show, and then when she turns up missing after that, I don't know. 
I mean, you didn't, but think about it. You didn't have Google or anything back then. Like it was the TV and that was it. Like, like you know, you can imagine mean? the detectives being like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and everyone had the same haircut. So <laughs> it was the seventies um, and everyone was on shrooms, but uh, <laughs> there's flowers in the background there. No, that's just the set. <laughs> yeah. um, I got to say though, with Anna Kendrick attached, I automatically think of like a more comedic take on it. But I think that the reason why she makes sense is because it is a strange story, right? Like a, a woman on a dating game show, um, you know, uh, picking a serial killer, essentially. Like there is a little bit of a fantastical element to mm-hmm. that, even though it's grounded in a true story. So um, I'm, I'm up for this. I can't wait to see it. Oh, yeah. Like and I wonder, like, you know, I'm, I'm assuming she'll have a pretty large role if it's going to be Anna Kendrick and, you know, they're already like slotting her to be involved even though she will most likely be a victim i'm assuming no she'll um, probably be the the yeah she'll probably be the main woman the main yeah, the, the woman main woman that... who i think i mean hey spoilers now for the real world but uh like ends up being a victim i'm unfortunately assuming but uh like then like are we gonna like who's gonna be the you know the actual serial killer is he gonna have a large role in this is she going to have the larger role in this i mean i assume if, if they're getting kendrick involved she'll have a larger role but it'll be interesting to see how they like you know balance that out yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I, I mean, I want to dive into this a little bit more because I do love true crime, but I'm wonder if there, if he gave like an account of everything that happened after the show and I could see them doing something where it's like splicing the show itself and like what happened on the show with them, what happened afterwards, you know what I mean? Like based on his, his telling of it um, or other stories that they may have from friends of uh, Barbara's, I believe her name was. They can play a lot with audience expectation because we'll know what's going to happen. Yeah. And so they could like make this even more suspicious, <laughs> put a pit in the stomach at the exact moment I got scared out of my mind. Um. <laughs> <laughs> my dog has been like ready to bark for the past hour. So <laughs> he's staring at me right now. I don't know why. Um, the, the goose must have gone by. Um, there's, there's these two geese that live outside the, like, the apartment complex. And they're always just like walking by. Is Olivia, are you being served again? No, that's just um, our door just kind of opens on its own sometimes uh, so that I could believe in ghosts. <laughs> you probably do have a ghost. That is an older house. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's dive into rants and raves. And Sean, given what I know you're going to talk about, I'm going to actually let you take this away and then I'll jump in. Yeah. I, um, so obviously there's uh, some like you already like sort of mentioned it. Um, some pretty uh, crappy things in the news going on right now. And uh, one of them is uh, about the um, upcoming, most likely upcoming repeal of uh, Roe v. Wade. And so I was going to go on a rant on that, but I'm going to try to turn this into something else. And I'm going to do a rave for several different movies or shows. Um, Never, rarely, sometimes, always, Unpregnant, Plan B, um, Bojack Horseman. There's an episode of Bojack Horseman and there's an episode of Shrill. And there could be many others. Uh, movies and shows that don't demonize abortion. They don't glorify it either because that's it's a very difficult thing to do. It's a very difficult thing to decide to do, but they normalize it instead. And uh, they also don't make this into the black and white issue that is it's often made into be, which like kind of upsets me because nothing should be made into a black and white issue. Um, I don't want to go on a soapbox on this. And mainly it's because uh, like I'm a guy. And like, I don't really have a right to really say anything on this matter. Um, I think that truly only women have a right to say anything on this matter. And so what I like suggest for the gentlemen out there 
is to watch some of these movies and some of these TV shows that uh, like have these kind of things and see a different perspective and see where it's not easy or where, you know, it's not because of getting out of something, getting out of responsibility as some people sometimes uh, color it, um, where there's a lot more to these decisions when they're made. Um, and like, I think about, you know, my, like my, uh, female relatives, um, some pro-life, some pro-choice. Um, and I just sit, like I say to myself, like, you know, they're, they're the ones that have that right to make that decision. They're the ones that have the right to make that declaration. Now I won't agree with some of them, obviously, but like, the, like they're the ones that, you know, I will give them the right to talk to about that or to have that expression. And it just worries me that people aren't really opening their mind to all the different avenues and all the different complications this could go down. So once again, this is a rave. This is a rave for those movies. I'll say them again. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Um, I don't know what that's streaming on, but it's streaming on something I bet. Unpregnant is on HBO Max. Plan B is on Hulu. BoJack Horseman on Netflix and Shrill, which is also on Hulu. Just to clarify, because I think we will get questions about it. You said <clears throat> family members or friends and stuff that are that you disagree with are what? I think you said pro-choice, and I don't know that that's what you meant. Oh, oh well, no, I said that some of them are pro-choice and some of them are pro-life. And gotcha. I'll, I'll disagree with some of them. Yeah, gotcha, like, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Miss, missed that part. Sorry. Um, just wanted to make sure you good call, were, good call. were heard. Looking out for me. <laughs> um, you know, I think you said it well there and i don't want to take away from the issue at hand and i think that it is something that we need to continue to watch it's really fascinating from a legal perspective because scotus um scotus has leaked in the past scotus being the supreme court of the united states do you know when scotus has leaked in the past uh, mainly when during roe v wade considerations (laughs) it's really it's kind of wild so um it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out but elections have consequences and here is one of them um, so, um, it's just, it makes me sick, but here we are. I'll, I'll just do one, you know, um, there's several different places, uh, Planned Parenthood and, um, uh, try to b- donate money to Planned Parenthood. Um, especially like, you know, in, you know, I'm in a blue state, so like, it's like, I think like our state's good, but like Planned Parenthood in Texas, Planned Parenthood and other red states, um, and also, like, you know, ACLU, there's several other places you can, like, go to on this. Uh, votesaveamerica.org is another place where we're going to be voting soon uh, in the midterms. And, I mean, even though this is going to be happening right now, it's just going to be better if, uh, you know, if they continue to vote. Um, yeah. And listen, every like, blue states are blue states until they're not, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why voting is extremely important. And if this is the uh, there's no reason to believe that this isn't the decision that's going to come down probably in June um, that Roe v. Wade is uh, overturned. If that's true and it's not codified into law, then it's going to be left up to states to decide what to do with it. Uh, and that's where local local elections matter almost more than. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, so, you know, on that note, here are the top new releases this week. Whew, that's a t- <laughs> Doctor, really Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It's theaters and a uh, fun movie that I'll talk about. Uh, you'll see me posting about it tomorrow. Escape the Field hits limited theaters, digital, and VOD. And we want to encourage you to join our Patreon. A lot of fun content getting started on there. We have a couple Patreons or patrons that have joined. Uh, and we are really uh, getting into a groove to kickstart that's excitement so um currently there is a special going on to join for two dollars a month um we encourage you to do so the link is in the bio below of course as we mentioned earlier there will be two new 
uh, spoiler pods, one for the unbearable weight of massive talent and one for the bad guys, the animated film that just came out that actually was really good. Um, uh, that will be, uh, they'll be dropping this week. Uh, and also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, an interview with the uh, director behind the film brute force will follow this pod if you're interested. Uh, so listen through the outro and then catch that interview. Otherwise, Sean, I will see you next week. See ya. Bye. As always, thanks for listening. You can follow both Joe and Sean on Instagram at Guy at the Movies and Math Teacher Movies. New episodes of the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean are available every Wednesday morning wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be on the lookout for special spoiler pods where we dive deep into the latest film releases. If you like what you hear, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time. All right, Eve, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about Brute Force, which is a new thriller set in California wine country following a journalist who returns home and starts investigating the harassment of migrant workers. It's now available through video on demand. And first of all, I have to tell you that I was fascinated by this right off the bat because I remember years ago watching a Dateline or a similar one of those programs that was just diving into the corruption and the dangers of, you know, vineyard country out in uh, California. So what can you tell us about the inspiration for this film? Yes, it is pretty crazy what is happening kind of right under our noses, especially in in California, where so much of it is is agricultural. Um, I actually heard about the actual burning of farm worker housing and an act of arson in in California on the Latino USA podcast years ago. And it, it really stuck with me as this just remarkable um, outward display of the of the kind of hypocrisy that we have in this country, the not in my backyard feeling when everyone wants to uh, literally eat the fruit of people's labor. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I found, I found that fascinating and I, I'm, I love wine and I love wine country. So I thought it'd be really interesting, especially within the noir genre to explore that dichotomy. Why the noir's genre? So I, I'm I'm a huge cinephile and I love I love classic movies all movies and I am so fascinated with writing in within genres which have pretty um, which have formulas even though there's obviously so many ways to to change and expand the formula upon the formula um, but I think that the noir genre gives you a, a very um, special and creative way to examine societal problems with also all the things that you might you you want in a movie the the action the thrills the romance etc so I was um, I kind of came to the idea that I wanted to make a noir movie and then found this inspiration and was like oh this is perfect <laughs> perfect marriage <laughs> yeah that's excellent you know one of the changes I think when you're talking about taking those older films and sort of that genre and adapting it is something we don't see often is a female protagonist here uh, and, you know, she's also wrestling with her own issues and her past throughout her investigation. When you're writing a character like this, how much of yourself do you put into them? Um, so that, this is an interesting one. I, certainly that was a huge um, 
that was a huge thing for me was was flipping the the genders of the of the classic noir protagonist while keeping a lot of that um the the wry detachment the 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 tendency towards violence i think that's something that you also don't see in female characters a lot so i wanted to put that in i think that she's like sometimes what i wish i could do but i'm not a violent person <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes you do want to just punch somebody in the face but um but i don't <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was uh, definitely really interesting to think about someone being so so tightly coiled and having so much inside them that they're unable to express. I think that that's a feature of noir protagonists a lot is just being unable to express themselves. And um, I also wanted to give her a whole other dimension of of catharsis, which you again often don't see in the the male protagonist, they kind of like move on at the end of the, at the end of the movie, ready for the next mystery, but they haven't like done any self-examination right. at all. So I wanted to plumb a little deeper. <laughs> yeah. There's no self-development in those characters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about the cast a bit. So your sister Lilia stars as Sloan with Tyler Posey also co-starring. Uh, how was it one directing your sister yet again? I know that she's starred in uh, previous shorts, uh, as well as other family members in this film. And then two, working with a star with such a rabid fan base as Tyler Posey from his Teen Wolf days. Yeah, for sure. So um, so it was a total dream come true to work with my sister. I actually wrote the movie for her. So we intended, always intended to make it together. Um, definitely fulfilling a, a lifelong dream ever since we were planning our movie careers when we were kids. <laughs> um, but that was great because we, you know, she's in every second of the movie. So it was, it was, especially for me as a first time feature director, it was really great to have that already have such a bond and a connection with my lead. Although, you know, I did have to be careful not to be too sisterly and to, you know, to keep our relationship um, professional and make sure I'm watching her performance the same as I would anyone else. But um, she had also been living with this character for so long during the, you know, the long road to, to actually getting the movie made. So that was awesome. And then so much fun to have, to have Tyler inside. He's such a pro and he's a, he's, he's very enthusiastic and fun to work with um, as well. And I mean, for someone like him to, really dive into our little scrappy movie production was was great it was really it was really fun having him yeah it was really neat seeing him in a film like this and an indie film um and it's kind of refreshing to see an actor like that take you know take time to tell such an intimate story or be a part of telling such an intimate story but I think your sister really kind of drove it all home and it's funny even after watching it I kept thinking like this would be a really good series you know watching this yes. journalist go to town and you know figuring out these mysteries and what's really happening um it's a good so, reaction <laughs> what's that that's a good reaction. Lee, you want to <laughs> well, I mean, any any thoughts on kind of continuing the character or is this sort of a one one and done story? I think that would be really cool. We've definitely. Well, the running joke on set was that Officer Jerry needs his own spinoff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that it's definitely a, a setup for 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 other for other mysteries, for other work like this. And, um, I, you know, I, I did want to really uh, not saying any spoilers. I wanted to wrap the story up while also leaving the door open for for more if that if I'm lucky enough to get to do another one. <laughs> That's excellent. So uh, the film has some beautiful shots and of course that real noir feel. Can you talk about the process of filming this and any particular challenges that you may have faced? 
For sure. Um, oh, so many challenges making an ambitious indie movie. Um, it was, it, it is ambitious. It was for our, you know, for a first feature for, we made it, you know, right in the middle of COVID. So we were dealing with all of that. And um, we have just so many locations and I was so obsessed with having all the locations be perfect. <laughs> so I spent months driving around the beautiful uh, San Luis Obispo County and a little bit in the North of San, uh, Santa Barbara County where I always intended to film it, but just trying to find like the perfect places and sometimes begging people, like, I need your vineyard, give it to me. <laughs> but mostly people were actually quite receptive. Um, I think that some of the challenges were just like making, sh- like I had to film on five different years to get all the places that I wanted. Um, so that was, that was a challenge. And then I think just, you know, obviously always having a prep time, being able to, being able to shot list everything, but luckily I was working with my, uh, my dear friend and, and longtime collaborator, Emily Silvestri, who's, who's a wonderful DP and who is really in the, in the thick of it with me. So we, we got a lot of late night shot listing sessions and got a chance to prep a lot. That's excellent. You you mentioned preparation and this is your first feature film coming from shorts. Was there a different approach to preparing for this film? So, uh, yes, a lot more prep, uh, <laughs> certainly. And yeah, just kind of like living and breathing this movie for the months leading up to it. I, you know, I literally only watched noir movies and was like screenshotting shots I liked so that I could show Emily later and just, just was totally immersed. Um, I, from my film school days, we use uh, this book called The Director's Intuition, which has this incredibly intensive like scene analysis um, component to it. So I tried to do as much of that as I could. And she, the writer has a great um, thing, which is you do all this prep and then you put it away. You shouldn't be like checking your notes on set. You gotta, you wanna be like in it with the actors. So, um, but that prep, prep work was, was really key. Um, but, you know, something fun on a feature was working with, um, a script supervisor and really making sure that all the like fault tracking continuity over multiple days over multiple um, times of day that is definitely a real challenge and that was kind of fun to see how that that actually works out and fits together and I don't know why I've become this person but continuity is something that I focus on so much when I'm seeing a movie because I feel like it just it catches me off guard and it completely mm. takes you out of the experience if you know, in this shot, it's night, and then they go upstairs, and suddenly it's a little brighter outside, or you know, the cup moves yeah, in a different sure. place, or so. It drives me crazy. So I can only imagine how challenging that must be. To- that was challenging. I will, I will say that we we worked with an incredible colorist at Photochem named Alistair Arnold, and he he definitely smoothed over a couple of places where we just couldn't get the timing right for whatever sure. scheduling or <laughs> like going going away reasons. But he was a real magician. Yeah, it's so easy for me to sit back and you know nitpick and be like, oh, that doesn't make sense. But I can only imagine putting together you know the full full product. It's got to be crazy. Um, are there any particular scenes uh, that stick out for you in terms of delivery or just simply as a favorite? Um, so let's see, that's a good question. I, it was always fun for me to, to shoot the, the action scenes, especially the fight scene. That was really fun. I worked with an awesome stunt coordinator and that was just like a, something I hadn't really done on that scale before, but that, that was very fun. And my sister, Lilia had a wonderful time shooting that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, I also, um, I also really enjoyed, we had, we have a couple of long oneers in the movie and that was, that was a lot of fun for me. I was very, like, I really wanted that. I thought there was a couple of scenes that would really benefit from, 
from that, obviously it's very, it's very tough to get, get the perfect shot. Um, so we definitely had to do those quite a bit, but in terms of directing, being able to like combine the blocking with the performances and, and the writing and the exactly where the camera is, is just a treat. It's really fun. It's gotta be a lot of fun to direct a fight scene and <laughs> just all the moving yes, parts. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you, what do you hope that audiences take from the film? So I hope, I hope the movie works on a couple of levels for people. I, I hope that they are sucked into the story and find it entertaining and, and connect with the characters. And I hope certainly there's some messaging in the story about, about um, breaking cycles of violence, about treating our migrant workers better, about how we need them. <laughs> and they, they should be better, better compensated and, and, um, and all that that entails better protected. Um, but yeah, I also, I also just hope that this is a, a a fun and entertaining movie that 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 sucks people in and gives them some feelings. <laughs> it really is. It's a nice mystery. It kind of keeps you thinking the entire time and you're on that ride, you know, with Sloan the entire time. So um, definitely enjoyed it for that. But in terms of your work and what you have coming up next, is there anything you are working on currently? Anything you want to tell? For sure. Yeah. So my my next feature, I've got I've got a script that's um, pretty far along. It's a it's a cool horror movie. Um, so hopefully I, I will be able to get that going in, uh, in within the next year and, and yeah, on to the next. I'm, I'm definitely excited for, for number two. <laughs> That's excellent. Is this, uh, cause I remember one of the shorts that you produced or that you worked on was Stitchin' bitch. Is that what it was? Yes. yes. Is, is it building <laughs> a very out that strange world? little little movie? <laughs> that movie was my attempt to do a little bit of every genre. So if anyone finds that online, it is a very strange little product. But it was <laughs> it was a lot. Of, I wanted to experiment in like a little bit of every genre. So that was fun. <laughs> it's so exciting though, because sometimes I talk to filmmakers who are very focused on one specific genre. And it's even neat hearing the research that you were doing. I just imagine like sitting in front of the Criterion channel, like going to town, like I love this movie. That's exactly what I did. The crit <laughs> I was so lucky the Criterion channel released this whole set of noir movies right when I was in pre-pro for this. I was like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just love, um, I love research and I love figuring out how, how the genre elements help you make audiences feel something and and help you tell a story so that's definitely a, a passion of mine yeah it definitely comes through so i commend you for that especially as a first feature because it is uh, definitely a fun ride and really well acted too which i think helps all the time right yeah for sure <laughs> drives the Thank story you. home <laughs> yeah well listen uh, very nice speaking with you today and i hope everyone can check out brute force which is now available through video on demand uh and we wish you the best of luck in the future Thank you so much. That was fun.